if you have your Bible, open it to Psalm 51. This is uh, a psalm of penitence, a psalm of uh, repentance where David is brokenhearted and he just pours out his heart uh, to God and uh, seeks forgiveness. It's one of seven similar psalms along this line that uh, just have the psalmist pouring out, I have made a mess, please forgive me. And one of the things that I, I want us to bring about, I just want to bring a few points out from this uh, psalm tonight. But one of the things that I want us to consider, because this is where we live. This is who we are. Um, we've all sinned. And, and we, we fight this ongoing battle that, with sin. And Paul described it in, in Romans. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin, this body of death? He longed to be able to, to just do what he was supposed to do. He wanted to do that. But there was something tugging against him in the flesh that caused him from time to time to, to fail. And those failures affect you. And if they don't, I pray for the day that it does. Um, because without uh, sorrow, without regret, there can be no forgiveness. I know sometimes people live their lives and they pursue a course and they're doing things that are wrong and it doesn't bother them. But I hope that the day comes when they can't pillow their head at night. And if that day doesn't come, then I don't know what's going to turn those folks around because uh, repentance demands sorrow for sin. And what I want us to notice is the heart of David. You know, David is this man after God's own heart. Um, he, he did some scandalous things, but his heart was one of the things that uh, was noteworthy. And as we compare his life to our life tonight, I, I want you to be struck, and, and I don't even need to tell you this because you will be, but I want you to pay close attention to his brokenness. You see, how does your confession of sin go? I think we're all very easy, well, it's very easy for us to admit we're sinners. Um, that's no revelation to anybody. We, we all make mistakes. We all have our, our moments where we're less than what we choose and want to be, and, and we, we, we do that. Okay, when that happens, what happens in your life? Are you broken? I mean, does it, does it drive you to your knees? Do you think about how, do you, are you devastated? Or can we just kind of take care of that with this kind of a prayer? Father, uh, thank you for this and this and this. And, uh, and before we get done with our prayer and we say, oh, and forgive us of our sins, in Jesus' name, amen. And, and we're, the slate's wiped clean. You know, we, we, we said the magic formula, forgive us of our sins and everything's good now. Well, it is great to serve a God who will forgive us of our sins, but not because we say the right words, but because he really has our heart. That's what brings about forgiveness, a contrite and broken heart. Not just saying the magic formula before you say in Jesus' name, amen. But I think sometimes we, we might find ourselves in that routine. We sin, we make mistakes, we talk behind people's backs, uh, we, we backbite, we, we, we tell lies, we 
Uh, you know, you just pick whatever it is. And, and we're, we're convicted. We, boy, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have thought that. And then we just have one of these routine quick prayers and it's all good. And when's the last time you took time to think about what your sins have done to your relationship to God? And when's the last time your sins have left you broken? Um, let's look at Psalm 51. Because that's an occasion when David is absolutely broken by his sin. It's not one of these quick prayers you rattle off and get forgiveness. He opens his heart to God, which we need to do. But let me give you a little bit of background. before. Keep your place in, in um, Psalm 51. But if you will, let's talk about what brought him to Psalm 51. And that's in 2 Samuel chapter 11. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we read about David's sin. And David was a good man. He wasn't a perfect man. He made mistakes. And the Bible records a number of his mistakes, apart from the incident of David and Bathsheba and killing Uriah. Um, there are a number of other mistakes that he makes in his lifetime that are outlined. But I think there's a telling statement that is made in 1 Kings uh, chapter 15 and verse 5. Um, or 5 and verse 15. I, I may have had that backwards. It's one of those. It could be 2 Kings, come think of it. I don't know. It's in there somewhere. Look at it. But anyway, um, the, the statement is made that David walked with God except all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. We make mistakes probably day to day. We, we do things we shouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. We have thoughts we shouldn't entertain. And, and there, there are these you know, common everyday things that we do, and we don't want to. It's not our aim to do it. It's because of weakness and, and just catching us off guard, and we don't think, and we're not cautious enough. We, we walk too presumptuously and, and not circumspectly, and, and we make mistakes. And we ask God to forgive us. And he does. And as we do that, we continue to walk in the light. But I think that probably you may be able to look at a time in your life when you say, but I was beyond that. There, 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 were, there was a time in my life when it wasn't just making mistakes that I didn't want to make. I, I walked in mistakes. I, it was a way of life for me. It was deliberate. I knew what I was doing. I wasn't sorry that I was doing it. I just walked head on, and I did it anyway. Maybe you've found yourself in those situations. David, in spite of the fact that he was a sinner like the rest of us, there was that one time in his life where God says, you you just turned your back on me. You quit fighting. You quit trying. And this is the occasion And maybe we find ourselves in those situations too. There's that daily fight we have with sin that we don't always win. But there may be times in your life when you just kind of given up and you've just given in. And if you died in that condition, all wouldn't be well. If you're in that position tonight, you need to consider what David has to say. You don't want to die outside of God's grace. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David as you know, is on his balcony in the palace. And he looks down over and there's a house and he sees a woman bathing, Bathsheba. 
And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2 that she was beautiful to behold. That leaves to me at least the indication that, uh, you know, you can't stop maybe what you see. You, you might walk in on somebody and go, oh, you know, and you, you just turn away. I don't think that's what David did here. It wasn't a quick glance that he had. He beheld her long enough to say, she's beautiful. Well, what, what does he do then? Then he inquires about her. Hey, guys, come in here. Tell me, who's that girl over there? Who is she? And they told her, told him. And then he does another thing. He then sends for her. Why? What's your intent? Oh, you just want to get to know who she is? A little bit about her background, a little bit of history? She's a married woman. And then he commits adultery with her. Any one of those steps, had he taken precaution, had he not walked away from God, uh, he could have stopped this. It could have not been a beholding her. It could have been a quick look and, oh, i got to go back inside. And once he did see her, he, he didn't have to inquire about her. And then he didn't have to sin for her. And even after he did that, he didn't have to have relationships with her. But those are barriers that he ran through in order uh, to have what he wanted and sinned in the process. And then... Because she is now a child, his child, he has to cover it up some way. <clears throat> Can't have this kind of scandal. And so he uh, has Uriah, her husband, murdered, killed. Same thing as murder. He, in fact, it, the, the, David, this is heartless. David gives Uriah the orders and says, I want you to carry these to the front line to my commander. Uriah is so trustworthy, he carries the orders to the commander, and those orders were his death sentence. In the heat of the battle, when Uriah's up front, I want everybody to pull back and leave him up there, he's going to get killed. So that's what David did. He put this man to, to death because of, or in an attempt to cover up his sin. We know what happened. God sent the prophet Nathan, and Nathan tells a parable about a man who has a pet sheep or a little lamb, and and a rich neighbor has plenty of them and had guests, and so instead of killing one of his own, uh, he kills that man's pet sheep. And um, David is, in is enraged. He's furious. He says, I'll tell you what, that man who did that, put him to death. He's not even worthy to live. I can't believe somebody would do something like that. And David says, you're the man. I mean, you're king of Israel. You have whatever you want. And this man, Uriah, had one wife. You weren't content with what all you had. You had to have what he had. And you put him to death to take it. David is now convicted. And he comes back to God. He had been walking away from God deliberately, headlong, plans, schemes. Don't you know, this is, this is over a period of time. This isn't caught in a momentary action. This is thought 
giving thought to how do I get out of this trouble? How can I make this right and not get caught in sin? That's why 1 Kings, 2 Kings 15, 5, 5.15 says, um, except in the case of Uriah. It was deliberate. But now David's heart is broken, and we turn to Psalm 51, and let's look at what he has to say. First of all, there's a realization of his sin. It's acknowledged. Look at verses 3 through, uh, well, verses 1 through 6. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you make known, uh, you make me to know wisdom. There's no attempt here to say anything other than I'm a sinner. He tried to cover that sin earlier. He's not there anymore. He is in a different place. He's not trying to cover and hide his sin. At this time in his life, he has made a change. He's now walking back toward God and with God. And he says, please forgive me. I have made a terrible mistake. And I want you to treat me according to your loving kindness and not according to what the demands of justice. I think it's interesting that he says in verse 5, and I know a lot of debate and discussion can go into this, but I really think it's just hyperbole. Uh, Maybe there's more to it than that. But, you know, have you ever, well, those of you who have been married a long time, have you ever said something along this line? Oh, man, I've been married, married to her all my life. Or I've been married to him all my life. Or if you go to a ball game, you might say, wow, he hit the ball a mile high. Those are hyperbole. Not to be taken literally, but they express a a truth in an extreme. I think what David's saying when he says, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. I think what he's acknowledging is this. I've been a sinner for a long time. Not literally that he was a sinner from birth. Uh, Sin is a violation of God's law. He had not violated a law when he was conceived by his mother. So it's not talking about his personal, but I think it's just an acknowledgement. I've been a sinner from way back. I've had more than my share of experience with sin. I am wretched, but you, you're good, you're righteous, you're loving kindness, your mercy, I need your help. I have failed you. And um, that's the kind of perspective that we need when we come to God. We We don't need confessions that begin with, if I have. Have you ever done that or heard that? If I have hurt you, I'm sorry. If I have done anything to, I'm sorry. It's not an if. David's not saying, if I did anything wrong back then, then Lord, please forgive me. He's saying, I did. I was wrong. Let's be humble enough to admit our sins, to to be broken and say, God, 
There's no defense. I'm messed up, and I messed up royally, and I, I need you. You know my heart. You know where I am. So he acknowledges his sin. He's no longer trying to hide anything. He's out in the open. I have made a mistake. If you've made mistakes, don't, don't try to hide it. That's where you get into trouble. That's when you walk away from God. That's when the blood of Christ doesn't cleanse you of your sins. When you, when you have that rebellious, pride, proud uh, attitude that won't confess your sin. Here's the second thing, and look at verses, well, look, look in this chapter. Let's, let's go ahead and read uh, seven through uh, a few verses here. Listen to David's dependence on God. Okay, I've made a mess. Now, how do I get myself out of this? You'll see there is no way. Listen to David and, and listen to all the verbs but who is to do it? The, the action is, is it David's part or is the action on God's part? Listen to him. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. All those statements... Who's he asking to take care of this? He's asking for God. We, when we dig a hole, when we sin, we, we dig a hole that is far too deep to ever get out of ourselves. We, we can't. We're hopeless. We're helpless. And were it not for God, we would die in our sins. David doesn't say, all right, God, I have messed up. You know about it. I've made a mistake. I'm coming clean. I'm not making any excuses. I messed up. Now tell me, how do I get back right? I mean, what, what do I have to do to pay for all this? That's not what he says. There's nothing that David can do that will fix this apart from God. So he turns to God and says, God, I need you. And, and look at the look at the, the blot out verse one. Wash me verse two. Cleanse me verse two. Purge me verse seven. Hide your face from my sins verse nine. Create in me a clean heart verse ten. Do not cast me away verse eleven. Do not take your holy spirit from me verse eleven. Restore me verse twelve. Uphold me verse twelve. All those verbs. David's asking God to do these things because he's the only one that can. We talk about the cross and, you know, this morning we took the Lord's Supper and those who didn't have an opportunity will do so uh, in just a little bit. But that supper reminds us of Jesus coming to earth and dying. And the reason he did that is because we couldn't fix it ourselves. He came to fix it for us. And if we don't turn to him and if we don't allow him to take care of us, there's you can't good work your way out of this mess. If, and, and those who try to find 
sanctification in God's eyes through doing good works and reformation and just working harder, it has to be insulting to God. You know, if my child was in the front yard playing and one of y'all got drunk and through your negligence you come 100 mile an hour through my yard and run over my child and kill my child. All right, we're at trial, we're at court, and they say, yeah, I did that. I wasn't in my right mind, didn't know what I was doing. I made a terrible, terrible mistake. So how do I make this right? I mean, can I come over to your house every Saturday for the next 30 years and mow your yard? Will that, will that do us even? How about that? Or what, what, how, how much do I owe you? to make this all good? What, what can I pay you to make this all just kind of go away? It would be insulting. I mean, somebody say that to you, you would be so furious you couldn't even hardly see straight, I would imagine. And for us to say, okay, God, I made a mistake, so from now on I'm, gonna, I'm just going to reform, I'm going to try to do better, and, and I'm going to make everything good that I messed up. No, you're not. And and don't even approach God from that angle. This doesn't have anything to do with you. It has something to do with God. Apart from God, you can't do anything. There is a response that we have, but apart from God, it would be meaningless. When we sin, we need to acknowledge it like David did, and then we need to rely on him. It's it's out of my hands, God. You're going to have to fix this. You're going to have to apply your grace to my situation. And then look at what David does in verses 13 through 15. He pledges to do better. He says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall flow forth or show forth your praise. You don't desire sacrifice or else I'd give it. You don't delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Here's what David comes to the conclusion. I've sinned. No excuses. I've sinned. I need you. Be merciful to me. Forgive me. Blot out my transgression. And when you do that, I'm telling you, I will sing your praises to the high heavens. People will know of your grace and your goodness because they're around me. David isn't bargaining with God. Don't think that David is saying, all right, here's the way. Okay, you forgive me, and if you forgive me, then I'll talk good about you. It's not a bargain. I think it's a genuine, I'm indebted. If you will do this, I am indebted to you. A number of years ago, there was a movie. I don't even remember what it was. I just saw this scene. I didn't even watch a movie, but I saw this scene where Burt Reynolds decided he's going to kill himself. He's through with life. And, and he got out and he, he swam as far out as he could go. He was exhausted. And then he just kind of, all right, I let go. And then he starts sinking. And as he's sinking, all these flashes of his life 
start coming. He sees his daughter when they were little and all these memories and stuff. And as he's sinking, all of a sudden, I, I want to live. And so he struggles to get back to the top, and he can barely make it back to the top, and he gasps for air when he breaks the water surface. And he's like, oh, I want to live. And then he looks ashore. He's already exhausted because he swam as far as he can go away from shore, and now he has a long swim back. And he says, Lord, if you get me back to the shore... I will give you 100% of everything I have. Just please, Lord, get me back. And so he starts swimming. And as he swims and swims and swims, he's exhausted. And as he gets a little closer, he says, Lord, I'm telling you, if you get me back, I will give you 75% of everything I have. And 50%. And And finally, by the time he got back, he owed the Lord nothing. You know, I did it all on my own, thank you. And that's not what David's doing here. Lord, if you'll forgive me, I'll give you everything. I'll talk you up. I'll praise you. I think in this case, he is just simply saying, if you'll do this, I am so indebted to you. I will not be able to open my mouth without praising you. I, I think, this is just an observation. You may differ with it. You may have experience contrary. You may have experience that says, you're exactly right. I think those who have never really wandered far from God have the danger of minimizing their sins. Kind of like the older brother. He, he didn't go in the prodigal son. He didn't go off to the far country. He stayed at home. He thought he was okay, but he, nobody lives a perfect life. He said, I never did anything wrong to you, Father. Well, of course he did. But because he was at home and he hadn't wandered far off, he somehow was able to justify and to overlook his own shortcomings. I think those who appreciate God's grace maybe more than others are those who have gone so far away and have been in so deep that it's hard to imagine, hard to comprehend that God would take them back. You know, if I don't really feel broken about my sins, and if I don't really feel like I did all that bad, then, okay, well, God's grace is good, but, I mean, it's not like I did something awful. But those who have gone and wandered far away and have committed grievous sins, scandalous sins, as we see it, and to know that God will forgive them, That's hard to keep quiet about. And he even says, I will use this as an opportunity to talk to others and tell them how good you are. Uh, Even, let's be careful even when we do that. Uh, Many people have sinned and and done things that they're now ashamed of and have had a remarkable recovery because of God's grace. And there are two ways that we can talk about that. We can get in a circle of people and say, oh, yeah, man, the days. Man, when I was in high school, boy, I was, I was rowdy. I used to, and it's almost like a brag session. You hear them talk about their sin, and you don't sound broken about it. You sound almost like you're proud and bragging. That's not where we need to be. 
But I've also heard people with tears in their eyes say, this is what I used to be, who I used to be. Here's what it cost me. I can't believe that God has taken me back. I can't believe that I can be forgiven. I can't believe my brothers and sisters in Christ will accept me. I am so ashamed of my past, but here I am. By the grace of God, Paul said, I am what I am. That is effective. It gives hope. I've often wondered, why does God tell so many scandalous things about people in the Old Testament? Lot, committing incest with his daughters. Uh, Noah, getting drunk, getting off the ark. All these things. You have these stories, these tidbits in people's lives that are thrown at you. Why does he do that? I think maybe because it helps me to realize I'm not the only one that struggles with sin. Even these men of faith made grievous mistakes. But God forgave them, and he can forgive me. So David pledges now to live a different life. I'll do better. He's not going to be perfect, but he has a commitment that he needs that was lacking with David and Bathsheba. That was the one time in his life when, not just simply because of weakness, but because of choice, he decided to walk away from God. He's learned his lesson. He's come back. It's not by his own power and his own might that he's forgiven, but it's by the goodness of God that he's forgiven. And now he says, because you have been so gracious to me, I will speak of your goodness to everybody I come in contact with. Let's have that same attitude. Where are you tonight? Have you wandered afar off? Are are there things in your life that maybe you're covering, you haven't really come clean with? You haven't just said, listen, God knows. He knows our heart. He looks into our hearts. He sees where we are. Don't, Don't hide it. You can hide it from us. You can be like David and hide it from all of Israel. But God knows the prophet was sent. You're the man. If there's sin in your life, confess it. Just come clean. You're in the same boat as all of us. And say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. I'm powerless to do it. And when you do, I will, I will sing of your praises. I will convert sinners because of your goodness that you've shown to me. Maybe that's where we are. And if that is, let's take the same steps that David did. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to humble yourself. Maybe you haven't gone off in a faraway place. You've just been amiss here at home among God's people, and you've had things that just aren't right in your life, and it's time to just come clean. Do that. We serve a good and loving God. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to to rationalize it. Just admit freely, I have sinned. And I I want forgiveness. I want to be cleansed. I want to go to heaven. God will recognize that. It's not who offers the most sacrifices. It's not who comes to church the most. It's not who reads their Bible the most. It's that broken and contrite heart that God respects. Humble yourself if you need to be humbled before God. He'll forgive you and then live for him. If you're here tonight and you need to respond to the invitation uh, for the prayers of your brethren or to be baptized into Christ, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.